This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. for another episode of Rocks to Roots. I'm your host, Hillary, and with me is my co-host, Dwayne. Good afternoon. How you doing? Doing great. You always ask me how my afternoon is. How was your afternoon? Uh, it was fantastic. <laughs> I had a wonderful lunch today, and I'm in bright spirits. What'd you have for lunch? Uh, fish and chips, actually. Nice Ooh. and light. You know, I didn't want to go too heavy before a podcast, get all, you know, low, mellow, and lazy. Oh, <laughs> where, anywhere specific you had them, or did you make them at home? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if I could cook, uh, I would, but it um, doesn't come out great when I do it. Uh, no, I went to Morty's Tap House. It was, uh, they always Ooh. have specials every every day, and it's, it was really good. Yum, I love me some Morty's. Heck yeah. Mm. Well, that beats my tuna sandwich that I had for lunch Ooh. today. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it Sorry. was good, but not like a fish and chips lunch. <laughs> but there's always room for tuna, indeed. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, well, this is episode eight of season three. For those of you that may not have caught any of our earlier episodes on season three, we have a great lineup. Make sure you go and check them out. We had Spokane Food Security Council on there. We also had Spokane Food Policy Council in the Northwest Land Conservancy, Spokane Independent Metro Business Alliance, the City of Spokane Solid Waste Department, and the list goes on and on. Make sure you go and check out those episodes. And as always, we love reviews. That's how we know how great we're doing. So please make sure and leave us a review in the comments section. And today we have a great episode. We have Annie Wismiller with Measurement, a social impact team here in Spokane. So welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. Um, So just to kind of get started, why don't you just tell us about yourself and... Yeah, how how I came to Measurement as well. Yeah, exactly. So I grew up a white kid in Portland, um, (laughs) and I think that really shaped a lot of who I am today. I must have been surrounded by a lot of people who cared about environmental issues. Um, I looked back, actually, at my fifth grade yearbook the other day, and when it asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, I said, I want to save the planet, whatever that means. Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. So I I think I've had it in me for a while um, to care about environmental issues, and I've just kind of slowly come along to um, also realize that that people are on the other side of those issues and and to to realize how important community impacts are. Um, And I I came to Spokane to go to Gonzaga. um, Go Zags. Go Zags. (laughs) I studied uh, environmental studies and economics, which has been a really interesting fusion in in the work that I do now and and, um, definitely... Uh, led me to love and appreciate a lot of things about Spokane um, as I was a student here. Um, After school, I uh, went to work for the Spokane Indians baseball team on their sustainability issues and uh, was working on specifically their zero waste campaign. So that was super fun. 
the pandemic turned out not to be so good for baseball. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, last year I, I got a call from um, Mark and Kara Odegaard uh, to come work for them at Measurement. Uh, and it turned out to be a really beautiful transition to go from working on sustainability issues within one organization to working with a lot of organizations on their sustainability issue, uh, plans and programs. Oh, very cool. So um, tell us about measurement and what are some of the main goals and objectives of the, um, of the team? Yeah, so... We exist primarily to address the climate crisis and its effects on people and planet. And we do that through working with businesses to organizations more generally as well to uh, to really focus their um, social environmental impact and bring that into their broader strategy to amplify uh, amplify their mission. Uh, and that leads to a lot of really exciting and diverse work. Uh, we definitely... Um, get to learn about a lot of different industries and, and uh, explore really the amazing, unique impacts that business can have. Um, we really believe that uh, business has a lot of power to do good and uh, has the speed to, to solve the issues that we're facing. They can make changes at a much, much faster speed in some cases than even policy and, and other realms of making impact. So that's why we're focusing there, and we, we believe that there's a better way to do business out there. That's awesome. Now, when you're, when you're saying you work with businesses, is, there, is that a broad scope? Do you work with all businesses? Are there any that are kind of excluded? Just mm. Can anybody and everybody help with uh, helping the environment? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have our own internal screening practices when we consider working with prospective clients. We definitely want to to understand that that organization is aligned with our values. And beyond that, we accept and, and want to work with businesses at any stage of their sustainability journey. I think that's really important to to be able to meet people where they're at and realize that it's going to take all of us to to solve these larger issues that um, it's going to take the the businesses who are already leading to to do better and be better and continue pushing as well as everyone to come along with them. That's awesome. And so one of your main goals being measurement is to help companies become B Corp certified. Uh, Can you tell us a little more about what B Corp certification is? Yeah, definitely. So um, Mariah, primed this question very well when she was on the podcast, so I would definitely suggest going to listen to that episode because she laid down a wonderful groundwork for what the certification is and what it means, and uh, I'm happy to, to build on that um, in any way that we want to take it, but uh, at the very basic level, it's the most holistic third-party certification to assess a business's sustainability and their impacts on various stakeholders. So the B Corp movement is really moving past a shareholder primacy economy to a stakeholder first approach and really looking at uh, how those businesses impact their customers, workers, communities, environment, and also how they govern their companies. Awesome. You just said two words that really stand out to me, shareholder and stakeholder. Can you give me a little bit of a definition about those, those two words? Yeah, so uh, just to use the the business roundtable as a frame for this, the you know leading companies, the largest companies in the U.S., their their CEOs have said for the past decades that 
The role of a corporation is to maximize profit for its shareholders. Uh, so those are the people um, that represent only one group of what a business touches, right? Um, shareholders are only one lens that, that doesn't consider all the other stakeholders, which we'll get to. And actually in 2019, the business roundtable came forward and said, actually, we believe the role of a corporation is to maximize, pro- maximize benefit for all stakeholders, so that was a huge shift in attitude there, um, one that is recognizing the workers inside of these companies mm-hmm. and the communities in which they operate and the supply chains that they manage, and also the larger ecosystems that we all depend on. Um, so we're seeing that shift happen, and I think uh, it can only happen um, if we're willing to accept that business has that responsibility uh, and has that power to to embrace this shift. That's really interesting that it only just happened in 2019. And um, obviously, we're living in um, a different world and climate change is definitely like a subject that is heightened. Do you think that it's mainly just due to that, just because the dialogue is a lot more there than it has been before? Yeah, I think there's a huge amount of public pressure Mm -hmm. pushing that shift. And also, I think the business opportunity is there as well, and people are recognizing that. So uh, a statistic we like to use is from Unilever's um, global portfolio of brands. They have over 400 brands. One of them is Ben & Jerry's and uh, Seventh Generation. Those are some of the more sustainable brands. In, In 2019, they had 28 sustainable living brands is what they called them. Those 28 brands, I think 5% of their portfolio drove over 70% of their growth as a company. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So they are now approaching every company <laughs> that they have and working with them to implement changes to set them on this road toward this stakeholder approach. Yeah, it's like take a page from our book. <laughs> Definitely. Um So what are just some of the benefits for a business in becoming B Corp certified um, or simply just bettering their social or environmental impact? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think one that we are finding more nuance to every day because different companies approach it differently and there are a, there's just a wide category of um, reasons why companies want to pursue these things. So the benefit for your um, workers in recruitment might be that you can attract uh, more engaged talent and retain those people, uh, which reduces your expenses and also drives productivity. Mm-hmm. So there's the, the worker side to it and the recruitment side. Uh, there's the um, marketing and customer loyalty side. So you have more loyal customers that believe in your mission. They're more likely to stick with you over time and and also pay more for your products as prices rise and you find difficulties and and you need that support from your customers the most. Mm-hmm. So that's the customer and I think the marketing potential there. We're also hearing that this is key for investors. Investors are asking, what are you doing? What are you measuring? Are you going to become a B Corp? Uh, and that's their, their measurement for whether they'll invest in you or not. So that's, that's another point. huge, yeah. Great point. We're hearing that directly from our clients as well. So they're feeling that pressure from the other side. Um, yeah, and I just think the, um, 
the power of collaboration is really a key thing that people don't necessarily think about. But once you take a step down this journey or you become a B Corp or wherever you are in the journey of, of being more sustainable, you can tap into other companies that share those values and that mission and find limitless possibilities for collaboration. We see it a lot in the B Corp community. Once you become a B Corp, you have access to their shared resources and uh, what's called the beehive. <laughs> they they take like the bee, yeah, <laughs> they take the bee metaphor far. Um, and we see amazing examples of collaboration and businesses supporting each other and, and reaching out to see how they can continue pushing in certain areas. So that's another huge impact. That's amazing. That's actually as true to the word community as you can get right there. That's, that's wonderful. And business doesn't always have that communal feel or that communal gathering. Yeah, it's amazing how much more power I think there is in collaboration than competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. As anti-business as that might sound to people, I argue it's the opposite. I completely agree with you. And that is such a great message that you just put out there. Um, yeah, it's the more people at the table, I mean, the, the better, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. We, you can take the South Spokane Farm Corridor, for instance. Yeah. We're all growing vegetables and, and food, and yet there's no shortage of people coming to get them or get the vegetables, you know, from all the farms. So it doesn't matter. We're not stepping on each other's toes. We're coming together, like you said, being communal and thinking about uh, the environment and people. So that's awesome. And isn't it true that something like 90% of our food in Spokane comes from outside the region? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're all trying to have a little piece of the pie and changing that <laughs> hopefully yeah well we're we're here to support that in any way we can awesome hashtag environmental savvy yes <laughs> Ooh, I like that <laughs> so we keep um talking about environmental impacts and can you just kind of tell us specifically what some of those might be yeah you know it really depends on the business so we've worked with Companies that manufacture goods, companies that own and operate land and are are on the agricultural side. So those impacts are very different from a professional services company, for example, or a company that might have remote workers all across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's different levels of impact there. Um, I think ultimately what we work on with companies is to find a few key measures that they can benchmark for their success and um, on the one hand reducing environmental impacts and on the other hand producing positive environmental impacts. So I think oftentimes we think about reducing our emissions, reducing our water use and waste Mm -hmm. and all the ways that we can reduce but how can we actually put back uh, resources into the environment um, whether that's through conservation, through regenerative agriculture, um, through you know positive water use practices. So I think those are the um, those are the main things that come to mind when I think about environmental impacts uh, is our, our direct impact on the land. And also I think there's the advocacy side to it. Um, businesses have a huge voice and often don't exercise that voice in policy. Uh, but that's where I really think that the uh, environmental work can feel complete when you can advocate for something in your your hometown or your state that pushes forward environmental progress. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, no, that did, definitely. And that kind of goes into um, 
what is the I'm trying to figure out how do I ask this? So what is the range of businesses that you work with? I guess business types or just Yeah. Yeah, we've worked we've had the pleasure of working with businesses across um, the spectrum in size as well as industry. So that's been very interesting and allows us to take these different diverse experiences into our new client work. We've worked with companies that are product producers on the beverage side. There, We've worked with a, a winery locally here and a bakery and brewery, as well as some professional services companies, um, a coaching firm, for example, financial services firm. So it really, uh, it really varies, and that's what really keeps it exciting. Uh, can I ask, have you worked with any farms? You know, we, we worked with Link Foods uh, on doing some research for a grant. So that was sort of a, a one-off thing that we really enjoyed being able to do. And we're trying to figure out how we can more creatively apply our services to be able to work with farms. Because we, we've worked with companies that own and operate land that produce agricultural products and not necessarily with uh, just sole farmers. Okay, gotcha. And uh, building on to that, does it matter if a company is an LLC or an S-Corp or anything like that? You know, we we work with all sorts of organizations, um, from nonprofits to co-ops to uh, traditional corporations. For the B Corp certification, you need to be a for-profit business to apply and to certify, but it doesn't matter what your legal um, status or structure is. Okay, so you can work with nonprofits as a consulting agency or consulting team in order to help them uh, be more environmentally savvy. Yeah, and what's actually really exciting about the B Corp work is that the B Impact Assessment, I think Mariah mentioned this as well, is actually a free tool. As long as you have an email address, you can sign up and use it. So that's where I would encourage people to explore if they're interested in going down this path or expanding their, their path. Um, there's a, a huge subset of questions that you can explore and just get ideas from. And it's very exciting because B Corp is actually building out the agricultural track and expanding on that a lot. And it's, it's fascinating to see like what they prioritize there and what they value. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm curious. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. We'll turn the tables here. <laughs> okay, just one. Uh, Dwayne, how do you feel about the term regenerative agriculture? Love that term. And when done right, it is something um, that I believe all farmers should be looking into. Uh, regenerative agriculture is the only way we're going to be able to really uh, continuously grow food that is nice, nutriently dense, and... Um, and to be able to support the amount of people that we have while growing our own food. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I just imagine that term being sort of a catch-all for a lot of different agricultural practices. So is that tricky to know what people mean by regenerative agriculture? <clears throat> a lot of times it can be. And um, luckily, uh, the Spokane Conservation District is putting on a farm and food symposium on November 5th and 6th, which will have some uh, amazing speakers that will really go in-depth on what true regenerative agricultural agriculture means. And uh, so if you have any questions, if you're getting lost in the weeds, uh, pun intended, then mm -hmm. go ahead and sign up for the symposium. And there will be people that have been doing this for decades that just have such a broad range of knowledge that they can really bring it home. Um, yeah. So yeah. regenerative, and I'm just going to put it out there, regenerative agriculture, I believe, starts in the soil. 
So mm. if you're reducing your carbon footprint, that means you're, you're not um, compacting your soil with huge machineries and things. So, I mean, there's all sorts of ways that all of this ties in together and it's, it's very important. Yeah, that's a really beautiful sort of simple way to think about it, even though it's not a simple concept. So Definitely that's super helpful. Concept. Yeah, yeah. I totally meant to plug the symposium as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, um, I wanted to ask this question because you talked about how um, there are resources out there and you are encouraging people to go out on their own and to um, learn more about you know their environmental impacts and um, social impacts and things like that through the website. But so what would you say is the benefit of working with um, social impact team like measurement um, rather than a business just trying to go off and just improve their environmental and social impact um, themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I'm not sure every business needs our services. And, and we are very honest about that when we're working with a business. Oftentimes, they might be on the right track and don't need our help. Uh, that said, we are able to provide an incredible amount of capacity, especially for small businesses who may not have the time to implement what we're able to accomplish in the time we are. I also think that bringing someone external on opens up your company definitely you have to be you have to be willing to be transparent and open at the same time we have a very different perspective that we're able to bring we're able to bring our diverse experiences from working with and in other industries and apply those to to what your business might be working on and also i just think we we bring the passion and excitement and when you need a, a cheerleader and an accountability uh, partner, we're able to provide that as well. So it's definitely um, some, uh, a sliding scale of where our support is needed, and we're able to be flexible in that and meet businesses where they're at. And that, everything you just said there is so true. At the at the farm, we'll get new interns, and uh, myself and Grant, we're both like focused on the processes that we've made, that we're good with, that we're comfortable with, and all of a sudden, a new intern comes, they're like, well, why don't we do it this way? And it's just that change of the point of view. And it's like, oh, wow, why weren't we doing it that way? Let's get it done now. <laughs> so that's, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add, our, our goal is not to stick around forever. Our goal is to help bake these, these values in and these impacts into the business so that it's something that they continue to operate when times get tough. That's when you really see the rubber meet the road, yeah. when there's a global supply chain issue, yeah. for example, how do you continue to make that commitment to sustainability? That's where we really come in and try to get creative. So you mentioned that you work with a broad scope of different businesses. Doesn't you know necessarily matter their size or how many employees they have. So um, can you kind of just give us a, like a brief rundown of the, um, the strategy that Measurement has when they approach or start working to help a company towards their impact goals? Yeah, that's a great question. The first piece is to listen, always. It's amazing how we will uh, start a, a contract and, and be in that first meeting. And just by opening up the space for business owners and leaders to talk about what they're doing, we find so many ideas are sparked from that first conversation. And, and oftentimes these, these uh, programs or... Um, 
impacts that they want to make, they just don't, they don't take the time to talk about them or give the space to think about them. So that's definitely the first step. Um, when it comes to B Corp certification, we will go through every single question of the BIA with them. It's a, the impact assessment. It's over 200 questions, so that's a very thorough process. Yeah, yeah. And we get to know a lot about the business through that process. And then from there, it's about identifying the gaps and and where they want to be and creating a roadmap to implementing those uh, improvements. So I was looking on the uh, B Corp website, um, and they were kind of stating how almost 80% of the businesses that go into B Corp don't make it that first time. Uh, just they don't have the right layout or they're not doing the right things or not making the points. Um, how long do you normally work with a business to make sure that when they go to being a B Corp, they're getting it on that first try? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a safe average for most companies is around two to three months before submitting. That can vary largely depending on how ready the company is to certify and how much documentation they already have in place. If their processes are very well documented, that speeds up the process exponentially because then we can know that what they're saying is in fact what's happening inside of the company. And then we can really advocate for them through the process. So the the trickiest part with the assessment right now is just the wait time. Uh, B-Lab is very backed up. And that's a testament to how many companies are wanting to certify and how many companies are putting sustainability at the forefront right now. And that was true throughout the pandemic, which is super exciting. Mm -hmm, Definitely. That's amazing. So that's going to be a large community right there. Yeah. yeah. Do you you find it easier if a business is more on the startup side or already uh, incorporated in order to get them B Corp certified? Yeah, that's a great question also. So many good questions. Um, in some ways, it's it's exciting to be working with a company at that startup phase because there's often more of an openness and a passion to implement these these practices from the start. So it's sometimes cleaner, I should say, mm-hmm. to work with a company in, the, in a startup phase. At the same time, I think there's a huge amount of impact that can be made for companies who are already established, who have customers and employees that are loyal to them and we can magnify the impact that they can have that way so it definitely can make it easier to be on the earlier side but that said I think it really comes down to the people inside of the organizations and how willing they are to jump in and take on the project. Are you planning to focus the measure the measurement to the inland northwest or expand your services beyond this area? We would love, love, love to be in the Inland Northwest only and always. Oh, okay. We wow. can't. PNW family. Yeah, cool. of course. Yes. Uh, we cannot support ourselves currently that way. That is the long-term goal, however. So right now we have clients across the nation and actually just got our first international client yesterday. So oh, we're now cool. across the pond in England. All right. Cool. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. That's exciting. Definitely our, our heart is here and our our intent to make an impact is here as well. And we really deeply care about this community. So we hope that we can be more and more so based here. I'm curious too, because we haven't talked about it. When was measurement established? Yeah. So Kara Odegaard started it in 2017. Okay. 
And she worked and found that uh, through volunteering in the community and working on client development that the time that it took to convert a client was about a year and a half. So she worked okay. really hard for that first year and a half for yeah. her first clients and, and built the company to what it is today. And now she has a role with the city of Spokane as a sustainability manager. And her husband took over the company. So now we're a, a mighty team of four here in Spokane. And actually one of us is based in Wenatchee. So we're sort of central eastern Washington. Cool. Um, so can you tell us about any... Um, like past or current partnerships that just really stick out to you that you got to work with? Yeah, so I'd love to talk about Towns and Cellar. Okay. A winery up on Green Bluff. I was going to say, I love their wine. Yes, <laughs> yes. Super fun to talk about wh- what we worked on with them and where they're headed as a company. We had the ability to come in as sort of a sustainability manager for them and really look at their entire operations, which was hugely exciting for us. We just had a field day looking at how they can reduce their environmental impacts and increase their community presence and really amplify everything that they had worked on previously. So we did a ton of research into how they could best optimize their operations. They produce wine here in Spokane. We got to be on the ground there and actually working with their processes and finding out how they could do them in a way that conserved resources. So that was hugely exciting for us. We love that kind of work, and they were just so open to letting us explore where we thought that we could make the most impact for them. And uh, one of the exciting developments that came from that that work uh, was finding out that the the glass bottle is actually, for them, the highest impact of their business. So they're not growing the grapes, which otherwise would be a huge impact area on the environment. But for Townsend, uh, their packaging was. So a lot of times wineries will have these big heavy bottles because it demonstrates to the customer potentially a higher level of value. And uh, what they have have realized is that it doesn't mean anything for the actual wine inside. And in fact, it just takes more material to produce that bottle and to ship it. And uh, and the end-of-life impacts are also larger. So what they have done is lightweight their bottles. Um, You'll notice that there are lighter bottles than others on the shelf at the grocery store. And they also developed the Wowler. Have you seen their Wowler before? No. Yeah, it's, it's super exciting. So it's a play on a growler for beer, but it's a wowler for wine. <laughs> oh, you're speaking my language. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So it's a liter bottle that you can go fill up at their winery and cap it. And it's good for a week or two after that once you bring it home. And it's super a f- super fun way to, to be more sustainable as you're drinking their wine. So as a customer, you get to be involved in that sustainability. And it's also a discount on the wine when you go and fill it up. So it's a win-win-win. I must drink my wine different. A week or two, it's more like a, an hour or two <laughs> after I bring it home. <laughs> yeah, no, then you're safe. You're, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fresh yeah. Wowler friendly. <laughs> Well, that's great. You just gave me some Thanksgiving and Christmas ideas for what I can bring to the table. (laughs) And so uh, did Towns Towns and Cellar, did they notice um, 
when they were paring down their packaging, because the packaging honestly does not matter. It's the product. Mm-hmm. And if it's quality, uh, by selling this quality product, but just changing up the packaging, did they, did they have any complaints from the customers? Was everybody about it? That's a great question. I'm not sure that I heard that feedback from them. One of the interesting things about wine drinkers and the wine bottle is that that foil on the top as well is another piece that they've been anxious to try to remove and and find what the feedback is from customers there. Um, That that little foil on the top for some reason is makes it look more finished I think in the eye of the customer. I think it looks really cool the bottle without that personally. Yeah, I um, agree. But I think that'll be their next test case to see if customers respond to that. I'm not sure customers notice the bottle difference, I which is great, right? Yeah. yeah. So you just showed how you're still going to be able to sell your product, you're still going to be able to make a profit, and I would imagine by using a smaller bottle that's not as thick and heavy, not only did you help the environment, but you probably saved a penny because you don't have to pay as much for glass. Exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. I, I love what y'all are doing. Mm-hmm. Thanks. So, how can I? So, how can somebody who is listening to this podcast reach out to your guys' consulting services? And is it different um, depending on their size or their goals? Anyone can reach out at any time, and we never charge for introduction calls or emails for asking questions or anything like that. So, definitely check out our website, measurepnw.com. Reach out to us via email or phone. We're very accessible and super happy to talk to anyone who's interested at whatever level, whatever type of organization. We also love to go talk in classrooms. So if you're a teacher or educator out there, we would love to come talk to your students. We're, we're really open and, and earnest to continue this conversation in Spokane and beyond. Yeah, that's great. Get, the, get in front of the younger generation and yeah. teach them early. I love that. Um, and then kind of just wrapping up, what are some ways that business owners who are listening right now um, can quickly reduce their business's environmental and social impacts? Yeah, that's a tough one. Sometimes uh, there is no quick fix. Okay. I think the main thing that I would suggest is to look at your business with fresh eyes if you can. Ask yourself where you might be able to use less materials if possible. And then beyond that, pick a few things that you want to improve upon and start measuring them. Mm -hmm. And that way you can start to set goals and see progress towards those goals. I think keeping it simple is really key. Measurement uh, impact team, you also are B Corp certified yourselves. Is this correct? Yes. Awesome. So you are following all the environmental, you're following all the things that you are saying and helping other companies uh, to follow. Yeah, we hope to walk the walk, walk the talk. (laughs) Gotcha. I I found something um, online that was super interesting to me. Uh, It was on one of your blogs, actually, on your website, where you've kind of even gone as far as getting out of Facebook and Instagram because there was some, some lot of negativity there and you didn't feel that it was right to be involved. Uh, Do you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. We definitely weren't social media inclined people before everything has come out about Facebook. And I think things have been coming out against Facebook for a long time now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it finally felt like enough was enough and, and it didn't align with our values to be on those sites. 
And I'm sure, you know, we can't all be perfect. Um, I'm sure the sites that we're still using have their own issues too, right? Um, But this just felt like it was the right time to leave those sites and figure out how we could build our network other ways. That is awesome, especially in today's world where everybody feels they have to be on there, even when they don't think they want to be on there. Y'all actually went through with it. It shows that good backbone that you're really supporting the values that you are espousing. Yeah, well, thanks. And and it was just so exhausting to, to see all those messages come through. And it just felt like a relief, actually. So that was a really nice, nice benefit. Very cool. Well, Annie, thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking about measurement. And for any of those listeners out there who are looking to... Um, better their social and environmental impact for their business, uh, make sure that you reach out to Measurement and visit their website. It's measurepnw.com. And Annie, I'm sure, well, it sounds like you've been listening to our show, so you already know what's coming, the Spitfire round. Yes, bring it on. (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, let's kick it off with what is an emoji that you use frequently? Ooh, I, this one for sure I have nailed. It's the emoji with the two hands that are right up by the face oh, that's yeah. smiling. <laughs> that's just really too excited to even handle being there. Yeah. <laughs> I use that one a lot too. I must, again, be just boring. I put thumbs up. That's my only emoji. Well, hey, that's classy. <laughs> Simple. Do you do the yellow thumbs up or do you do the skin no, tone? I did, I did get into the skin tone. Okay, thing. see, that's jazzing it up right being there. Being out in the sun, I'm always like really dark. I'm like, you know what? Being a Simpson doesn't work. I'm going to yeah, go with, you know, with yeah. a brown thumb there. You know what they say about the thumbs up now is that it's like the the new middle finger. That's <laughs> oh, what I've no. heard. I, and I, it's yeah, like sending a single K. Yeah, uh, yeah no exactly. <laughs> uh, Got to be messenger savvy in this world. Yeah, I can't keep up. <laughs> All right. So building off of this conversation that we just are having, um, what is your favorite wine and why? Ooh, I like bubbly. Ooh, nice. yeah. I think you don't need to be celebrating something to drink champagne at any time. So I'm going to go with that. Amen, right. sister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's always things to celebrate, too. So you can make something up. Right. We're alive every day. It's a great reason to celebrate. Exactly. Um, what is your favorite candy since we're almost to Halloween here? Oh, I'm going to go with a Heath bar. Super random. Um, But anything toffee like I'm all in for. Putting them up for the toffee gang. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And so I'm trying to fill you out here with your background of environmental science and economics. Mm -hmm. And I can't still in my head really put those two together. So what would be your spirit animal and why? I want to say a deer. I'm not sure how that's the fusion of my background, but I tend to eat like a deer, like every two hours. Okay. Um, definitely a grazer. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how that totally fits in with my life trajectory, but just as a human going throughout my day. Okay. I thought you were going to be something like a grizzly, you know, out there sustaining your food, but at the same time really going at it with, I don't know, I, I couldn't actually. I don't know. It sounds cold to be a grizzly. <laughs> Dwayne, I have I to ask, what is your spirit animal? <laughs> well, I would, I would hope it's a polar bear. That's what I'm going to try to claim. 
love it. You know, hibernate whenever you can, sleep mm-hmm. in, and then, you know, get the job done during the times you need to sustain yourself. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer right yeah. there. You're just full of poetry today. <laughs> <laughs> I did read Robert Frost in the lay in. Oh, good, good. <laughs> All right, um, Annie, finish the sentence. On the weekends when I'm not working, you can usually find me watching SNL when it's in season. <laughs> nice. Did you just see the most recent with David Sudeikis? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's a nice Sunday and morning Brandy routine. Car- and Brandy Carlisle. Oh, She's amazing. Love her so love much. Love her. Okay, so SNL, Chevy Chase or Dan Aykroyd? Oh, Chevy Chase. Nice. Yeah, just grew up watching Fletch and all of his random movies throughout the years. Yes, indeed. Do you do the National Lampoons and all that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What's a favorite local restaurant of yours? I really love Root (gasps) on the Lower South Hill. Yeah, um, they make amazing food and even better cocktails. And it's all vegan, which is very exciting for me. So one of our guys up at the farm has been telling me about this one, and I've been saying we're going to go. But whenever I see a menu like that, I just mm-hmm. get you know completely disorientated. What do I need to order? What is the, the meal that I need to get there? Definitely either the buffalo wings or I forget the other flavor of cauliflower wings that they have, but definitely try those. Try the wings, got it. And ask maybe what the server is interest, is into at the moment. Everything is so good on their menu. I don't think you can go wrong. Okay, so go with the wings and otherwise just close my eyes, randomly point and go with that. Yes. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I agree. You can't go wrong with anything on that menu. It's so good. All right, and then the question we always ask our guests, Beatles or Rolling Stones? So I, I have to come clean. I don't have an attachment to either, and that's, that's just being honest. I don't, have, uh, I don't have a favorite, but I like them both if they come on. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, Annie, thank you so much again for coming on and talking about measurement. Tell our listeners one more time where they can get a hold of you guys and learn more about measurement. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's been an incredible lineup of people that you've had on. So I feel honored to be a part of it. And yeah, you can find us at measurepnw.com. My email is annie at measurepnw.com. So feel free to reach out there. And uh, find us also at the Saranac building downtown on Main Street. We're up at the top floor. So happy to, to meet in person as well. Very cool. Thanks, Annie. And we will check in with you guys next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.